This week on the Veterinary Viewfinder, we have a special guest, a pet nutritionist who is not only an amazing entrepreneur, but has insight into what our clients and pet parents think about pet nutrition. This week on the Veterinary Viewfinder. Welcome back to the Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine. Before I introduce you to our special guest, as always, I am one of your hosts, Dr. Ernie Ward. And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser. And Viewfinder family, I'm going to introduce you to somebody that I think is pretty cool. She calls herself the Pet Food Diva, and you can visit her on her website at PetFoodDiva.com, but her name is Diana Lavajur Dunets, and I probably massacred that, but we'll let her correct me in just a few minutes. But she has a master's degree in pet nutrition. She writes books. She's a popular media guest. I mean, she is an all-around pretty awesome person. And I wanted to join you together because I wanted her to share her story of how she got to where she is today because there are a lot of lessons for us in the veterinary profession. And I want her to talk about being a strong female leader in today's environment and how she actually helps pet parents determine what what is the right pet food philosophy for them. So to get into all of that, I want to thank... Diana for joining us today. Thanks, Diana. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, Ernie. Hey, Becky. (laughs) Great to be here. Well, listen, uh, for viewfinder families that don't know your story, can you give us that quote unquote elevator pitch? Yeah, well, the elevator pitch is that I am a pet nutritionist, really basically a canine nutritionist with a master's in animal science for about the last 10 years. And I started out formulating heavily meat-based diets for dogs, like a lot of people did, working with uh, clients all over the world. And when I segued from vegetarianism to what I, which is what I consider to be a dietary lifestyle, to veganism, which is what I consider to be a total lifestyle, I could no longer see myself contributing to harming animals in any way. And that meant including feeding dogs. So I looked into it. I spoke to people like you. I interviewed just a ton of experts. We put on the Plant Powered Dog Food Summit. And overnight, I changed my uh, nutrition business to a plant-based one. Right. And if you aren't familiar with the Plant Powered Dog uh, Summit, definitely check it out online. We'll be sure to include all these links in the show notes before. But but Diana, your story is a lot like mine. You know, for all these years, I've been vegetarian and vegan. And they're kind of reached a tipping point for me in 2017 when the Oaken, when the Greg Oaken study yeah. out of UCLA came about. And we've talked about that on the podcast before, but showed that almost, you know, 25 percent, 30 percent of all the animal meats in the United States were being fed to dogs and cats, you know, and that the average American cat is eating 30 pounds of fish a year. And we realized that that just wasn't sustainable. I think in this day and age, we're recording this right in the middle of the coronavirus COVID-19 pandemic. There's been a lot of talk about, of course, these diseases emerging from animal agriculture. So, and that's something that we'll talk about in the future. I've got a couple of things I'm working on with that. But Diana, explain a little bit about, you know, I guess what I want to talk about more importantly is how did you even get into the pet food industry, if you will, you know, this nutritionist, because you have a really, you didn't just start out here, you started out somewhere else. So maybe share a little bit of that story, because I think that's where some lessons, some very valuable, powerful lessons lie. Yeah, well, it, it's so true that when I was a kid, I didn't say I want to grow up to be a pet nutritionist, right, I have right. to be honest. Um, I, I sort of fell into it 
I think like a lot of us do, which is from a personal perspective. In 2002, I adopted my sole dog, a German Shepherd mix, uh, Chase, who most everyone who knows me or knows my story knows about Chase. And he came from the shelter quite ill with just about everything, skin conditions, gastrointestinal problems. I went out once for a couple of hours and came back and I I call it the great diarrhea disaster of 2002. (laughs) (laughs) It took 10 hours, guys, to clean the house. And that's when my mom said she knew that that dog was here to stay (laughs) because I didn't do that for anyone. But what it did was it just, it made me start to look up, you know, I was on my own health journey at that point, like a lot of us are. So I thought, you know, I want to look up what's out there to help, to help chase. Um, Because our veterinarian who I love and I'm still with almost 20 years later, you know, as you know, Ernie, a lot of veterinarians, it's, it's, the allopathic medicine cycle, and it was going to be a lot of steroids and a lot of antibiotics. And I thought, what can I do? So in the meantime, I looked into nutrition and I found what was out there at the time, Dr. Richard Pitcairn and things like that. And I started cooking his meals for him. And I have to be honest, I didn't really know what I was doing, but I, you know, I, I did see a positive impact on his health, but then I thought I want to really do this right. And concurrently, I I am a writer and I had been writing for dog magazines, dog fancy at the time and and had the opportunity to meet wonderful veterinarians like yourself, interviewing them for articles. So I thought I'm going to go back to school and I'm going to get my master's in animal science and concentrate on really understanding canine nutrition. So Chase's story brought me both to where I am today in the pet nutrition world and to where I am today in the plant powered dog food world, because he also taught me to love and respect just not just dogs, but all animals. I want to also pick your brains today because I mean, obviously many of our listeners are not vegan or vegetarian. That's fine. You know, we're not here to judge. We're here to actually try to just inform, but uh, what, what are you hearing? What are you feeling? Because, you know, there's, there's this wide spectrum of pet owners out there that, you know, at one end believe in raw meat based feeding exclusively, you know, it's it's the chicken bones and chicken necks and all that stuff. Right. And then you've got this mm-hmm. other group that's like hundred percent vegan. And then there's a wide swath of pet that are in the middle a bit confused. I mean, what are you what are you feeling? What are you sensing? What are you encountering with pet parents' attitude towards pet food right now in 2020? Yeah, it's it is a very confusing time. And it's a very, I have to be honest, it's a very contentious time. If we think politics is contentious, how you feed your dog is really contentious. Right. And what I am seeing is a lot of misinformation online. Okay, I will say that, you know, we people have to online is wonderful and we can get a lot of wonderful information from the Internet. But also, you know, I think we have to be careful of where we're getting it. So there is that's causing a lot of confusion. And then so and then there are a lot of people who are becoming more in tune to the environment, to animal ethics, to their own health. And it's leading them to veganism. But they're concerned about also carrying that over to their their animal companions. And sometimes that has to do with their veterinarian. Um, I, what I am seeing and hearing from a lot of my clients is the fear of kind of a backlash from their veterinarian if they feed their dog a plant-based diet. 
we're really out there to try to change not just the hearts, but the minds of people. So I, you know, for me, I guess a lot of the, the backlash that, so, so first of all, I've heard (laughs) that from so many people where they've done research and they feel educated and their diet choices for their pets support their beliefs. And you know, it becomes a, a break in trust, I feel like, when the veterinary industry or a veterinary member just basically, like, says, you know, no, you're doing crazy. the wrong thing right, right. without contributing yeah. in it or in researching in any way. Um, but I think it comes from a lack of understanding because when you say plant-based diet, I think the majority of people who haven't done any research and don't understand are are thinking about, like, a bowl full of vegetables And even I think as vegetarians and vegans, you guys could both attest that like the number one, like, quote unquote, stupid question, right? You hear is like, well, where do you you get get your protein? protein, Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. People assume that vegetables don't have protein. So I I think the important thing to do is to to just really talk about what a protein based diet is to help that understanding base level, because the elevator pitch is amazing from where you've come from, but it doesn't, I don't feel like help people understand it's not a bowl full of zucchini. Mm, Yeah, that is an interesting point. And I, I think there's two sides to that. Well, for me to that answer, the first one to most directly answer your question is it absolutely is not just a bowl full of zucchini please don't eat your dog bowl full of zucchini and that is that is a problem because i am on some of these vegan facebook groups and and people mean well but regardless of what you're feeding your dog it has to be nutritionally balanced right that goes without saying as far as protein sources what a lot of people aren't taking into consideration is that most meats are much higher in fat than they are in protein on a caloric level, okay? Right. So, you know, we're also tending, and, and Ernie knows this from the obesity epidemic, we're wanting to feed what we consider to be these high meat, high protein diets, and they're really high meat, high fat diets. Right. Um, so when we talk about plant-based proteins, A, we're talking about proteins that are lower down on the food chain, so they're not bioaccumulating toxins like animal fat and tissue is, and they're lean. You know, you've got things like chickpeas and you've got things like lentils and you, you know, you've got kidney beans and and quinoa and they're lean proteins. So we want to include a variety of healthy foods, but there's really not a problem getting enough protein more than enough on a plant-based diet. Right. And, and then, of course, we haven't even gotten into my area of interest and in research, which is yeast, yeast and fungal proteins, which are you know, a whole nother world of opportunities. Right. Okay, but, but again, you know, I, I think Becky's point bears sort of digging into a little little more. Uh, and Becky, what I loved is you said, look, you know, a lot of times this can create distrust. What advice do you have? I mean, you're on a different part of the spectrum than us as far as like veterinary services. What advice do you have to veterinary teams that are listening today on how they can talk? to clients, to pet parents about diets, because like Becky said, sometimes we go in there and this owner has, is bringing, you know, gobs of research off the internet to support a personal belief. Maybe this research is good evidence-based. Maybe it's a bunch of hokey, but what, what like general advice do you have for vet teams to how can they talk about diet? Yeah, I think one of the most important things, and I'm going to kind of take a cue from my own beloved veterinarian through the years 
is to always remain, first of all, open-minded yes. to what people say. I think one of one of the main issues that I hear from clients truly is, Ernie and Becky, a, a fear of the response that their veterinarians will have. And when I was feeding, uh, when I was formulating meat-based diets, I heard this from the raw feeders. Now that I'm feeding, that I'm formulating plant-based diets, I'm hearing this from those from those you know pet parents that they're afraid to discuss it with their veterinarians. So I think the, the most important thing is have the discussion with an open mind. Um, listen to what people have to say. Do the research. There are lots of wonderful, um, you know, uh, research papers out there on this. Uh, and 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 be open minded. And I love what you're saying because I also want to reemphasize to viewfinders, and I want Diana to reemphasize this for me. I hope, uh, and that is that pet owners want to hear what we have to say. I mean, aren't they seeking our advice? Yes, they definitely are. You know, I, I did my master's uh, thesis in the factors that influence uh, consumer purchasing of pet of pet foods, and veterinary advice was 25% of that influence. So, you know, you can say it should be more, but that's still a big influence that veterinarians get the opportunity to have on their clients and, and their, you know, their human clients and on their, their four-legged clients. So I think, again, just, you know, I understand that it's difficult because veterinarians, just like, you know, our primary care physicians are doing their best to save lives every day. They're often in surgery and keeping up on illnesses. Um, but I think it's important to keep up with an open mind on the latest in nutrition and not just close that door with things that we're hearing from the pet food companies and from a few quote experts that are out there. You know, you always talk about the myth of the wolf and dogs being, you know, little wolves. And I think that this is a perception that many veterinarians are still having of dogs being meat eating carnivores. So for many reasons, I would like to see more investigation and research done into that on the veterinary side. So I guess that statement there saying more, you know, I think we definitely know that dogs are, you know, we know there are a lot of people, you're right, who still think dogs are are part wolf and, you know, the, <laughs> the that they need to eat like wolves and live like wolves. But we know historically they have been meat-eating carnivores, but it doesn't mean that they have to be, right? So I think it's important, too, to talk about the why. I think it's important to talk about why it's important to be considering the plant-based diets and why this is an important switch. Um, and I know Dr. Ernie's book, and I mean, there's just been so much coming out to the people who are talking about this, but for those that don't really understand it, talk a little bit more to the the point about, you know, why should I as an owner who is not herself vegetarian or vegan be thinking about this? Yeah, well, I definitely think you should be thinking about it for the health of your dog as well, which, which, I do find is is and in, in, in is should be the primary motivator for what people are doing. Of course, is to think about the health of their dog. Um, you know, as as Ernie pointed out in, in the book, the Clean Pet Food Revolution, um, and as I point out in my blog posts and articles, there is tremendous toxicity these days in animal products. We live in a toxic environment, so yes, we can argue that even plant foods are toxic on some level. But there is strong scientific 
evidence that the further up the food chain you eat, the more these toxins accumulate. Right. So that means, right? So that means that when your beloved dog, who you don't want to get cancer, is eating an animal with carcinogen, you know, carcinogenic substances trapped in the fat and tissue. Um, for me, that's problematic. We have, I, Ernie, correct me on this if I'm wrong, 6 million new cases of cancer diagnosed in dogs every year. One in two, and, yeah. Yeah, and yet we feel that we should be, you know, when I say we, many of us feel that the answer to that is a high meat ketogenic diet. But, you know, it's experience is proving that there's a problem here with how we're feeding our, our companion animals. They're not getting better, they're getting sicker. So my argument from a health perspective would be to take a step back, take a look at this and, and, and objectively maybe think, what are we doing that we could change? Maybe these aren't the meat-eating carnivores that we thought, or maybe there's a problem, you know, just fundamentally right now with, unfortunately, feeding animal products that's causing harm. Yeah. And for me, you know, obviously climate change, you know, animal welfare, there are, there are many reasons why I would encourage everyone to reduce their personal meat consumption. Of and course. then of course, what I'm trying to do is expand the conversation beyond our, our human table and into the pet food bowl. And so, you know, I think that when Oaken's research dropped in 17, you know, I went from one of sort of obliviousness. It was like, well, I'm not part of the problem. I'm part of the solution. I've been a vegan my whole life, you know, to suddenly going, oh my gosh, you know, what about the pet food that I'm recommending? So, you know, anyway, long story short, but let, let's kind of move into a slightly different part because I, I think viewfinders, I would encourage you to do the research, but most importantly, I think what Diana said is be open-minded and and be aware that our, our clients want to hear our opinions. So we need to be informed and we need to be open-minded and we need to have these conversations. But Diana, let's talk a little bit about, you know, I think as you're being a female entrepreneur, we talk a lot you know, about that on this, on this podcast. The majority of veterinary professionals are female, the vast majority. I mean, we could, Becky, 80 plus percent, sure, I, yeah. I mean, conservatively. And, and you do have a unique story. I mean, you've been successful in several different arenas, but maybe speak to the you know, challenges that you've had to overcome to, to get where you are today. Well, it's interesting and flattering to be called an entrepreneur. I, my, my husband might <laughs> disagree. <laughs> but even we, putting together the, the Plant Powered Dog yes. Summit, I mean, that like, this is a massive global effort that yes. you took on yourself. And, and you know, I, I think sometimes that people just feel like they can't, they don't have the skills. I mean, you didn't go to school for, for putting on summits and, and writing and, and you know, you went to school for animal nutrition. I mean, explain a little bit about that journey and how do you find that reservoir of courage to make these bold steps? For me, it's, it's, it's passion. And that's why, and I, and I jokingly talk about, you know, not being an entrepreneur because I, I, I do like to think I am, but I like to think of myself as more of an educator and sort of a social changer. Um, and so I think when we approach anything, it has to come from a sense of real passion and purpose. And, and you're right that I, I, if I had known what that plant powered dog food summit was going to take before I started it, um, I probably would have been a lot more <laughs> afraid to do it. It was, you know, we had, we had the whole thing crash when we opened up the first lesson we had, you know, all the, you know, just imagine it going wrong and it did, but it was just so amazingly gratifying because I believe so deeply in this. Um, and you're right, you know, it, it's hard not to entangle our beliefs 
with what we do in our professions and, and what we do as change makers in the world. And my firm belief really is that we are heading into a time where we should be recognized from a planetary perspective and also just from an evolution, you know, humanity perspective, that all beings have the right to not be tortured and, and you know, and to live out lives of, of freedom. So I do come from that place and it drives me very deeply. So the Plant Power Dog Food Summit was my way of expressing that because you know, I've worked with sanctuaries like Farm Sanctuary for many years, the sure. wonderful Bauer. Yeah. And, you know, here I am having dinner with him several years ago and still formulating meat-based diets for dogs. And I just started thinking, Diana, you're a hypocrite. Right. So when your professional values and your personal values no longer, um, you know, there's no longer a synergy, that's a, that's a problem. And this has enabled me to bring together what I think truly scientifically based is the best for the health of our dogs and is the best for the health of all animals and our planet. So I, I, I can't think of anything more I'd like to be doing at this point. Well, and viewfinders, I think what I would like for you to go is rewind the tape, so to speak. And because what she's saying, at least the way I'm interpreting it, is that, you know what, when you're following your passion, when you're doing something you believe so deeply in, you know what? Gender doesn't matter. Acceptance doesn't matter. Criticism doesn't influence you. You're going to keep moving ahead. And I think that's something that we've tried to share with you, lots of different leaders over the years, that they all have that same story. Right, Becky? I mean, it's like, you know, these are people that are unstoppable. They are truly courageous. And yeah, the world may criticize them, but they just keep bulldogging it ahead. And I can only imagine the type of criticism. I mean, yeah, look, I'm in the same boat as you are, so to speak, as far as, you know, our opinions on food. And it's a minority one, a vast minority. And, you know, yet you've persevered. Well, as, as we finish up today, I guess the, the last little bit that I'd like to ask you about is, okay, what do you see for the future? Like, okay, right now we're in this pandemic, you know, and we've talked on the podcast about how we think this is going to only amplify the human animal bond. But what do you see on the other side of the COVID-19? And let's kind of put you in your little crystal ball mode uh, and you can, we can all go back and re- you mean rewind. I've, I've left my house. That's right. So tell us, you know, like, what do you see for the future of, of pets, the relationships that we have, nutrition? I mean, do you have any thoughts on like, you know, that what's the future look like to you? Yeah, I'm really optimistic about the future because I think that all we have to do is look to the human food arena, um, you know, and and see the billions and billions of dollars that are being put into plant-based meats, plant-based, you know, dairy alternatives um, globally on, you know, for, for people. And we do know that trends in pet food, as you know, carry over to what we eat. For our own, for our diets, I think that more people are becoming aware of ethical and sustainability issues, and I do think that as that trend increases in the human arena, we're going to see it increase with wonderful, wonderful products like like Wild Earth in the pet food arena. Um, and 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 just as an aside, you know, if people are concerned about nutritional balance and things like that, they're afraid to do their own. If veterinarians are afraid of of their clients doing their own, which is a valid concern then, you know, have them order wild earth. (laughs) You know, know, it's, it's the options are out there. They're out there. You interface with a ton of the public. What role do veterinary technicians play in all of this? I mean, do pet parents want to hear from veterinary technicians about diet? You know, I mean, do you have any read on that? 
Yeah, no, I, I think it's <laughs> veterinary technicians are affected the same way as veterinarians are in the sense that our clients want the same thing from us that they want from the veterinarian. They want a specific recommendation. They want empathy and understanding. They don't want to feel judged. They don't want to feel shamed for the decisions that they make. I think that veterinary technicians themselves have a strong passion for nutrition. Um, I think that from a numbers game, I think probably even more so yes. than the veterinarian and have more time to be passionate about that and to be educators and to be advocates. And that's why, um, you know, definitely not in my opinion, being shy at all, asking the questions <laughs> of why and what the importance is, because I think that's where the lack of understanding and the, um, lack of confidence to make this as a recommendation comes in. I think we feel scared that these are not balanced diets, quote unquote, because we don't have an understanding about them. We lean to things like AFCO statements to feel like we know the product is safe because um, it's getting really confusing. And so I think truthfully, it is a matter of working through the the confusion parts of it and having real conversations about it. And honestly, that's it's partially why I really love the points that Diana has made about, um, you know, your own morals and values, your own ethical standards. Um, you know, Dr. Ernie, to your point about the environment, I think they're all very important things. And so I think really understanding the why and the what is important because I think this is an area there's a lot of misconception. Gosh, I love that. So Diana, where can Viewfinder family go and find out more about you, what you're up to, some of the research? I mean, you publish generous amounts of stuff. Sure. So, so tell us where we can go. Yeah, well, first of all, I, I wish that every veterinarian and veterinary technician would watch the Plant Powered Dog Food Summit. And that is just plantpoweredogfoodsummit.com because it is full of, you know, colleagues um, and, and, and wonderful people such as yourself and Dr. Andrew Knight and, yeah. and real hardcore researchers. You know, no, we're not talking about just airy fairy people here, right. you know, we're talking, we're talking about people who are research scientists. So I would encourage that because Becky brought up such a great point that a lot of it is the, 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 the is, a, is an issue of, of confusion or of concern. And there's a lot to be learned from that summit. And then plantpowereddog.com is my personal website um, where you can learn more and just a little bit more facts about, you know, I know you don't love these these terms, but carnivores versus omnivores. Right, right. <laughs> They're outdated, scientifically irrelevant. <laughs> Squash and them. you're right, they are. You're what right, about, what are. about on the gram and Twitter and Facebook? Yeah, I've got to be more of a social media person. I am I am on uh, more on LinkedIn and uh, you can find me there. And I do have a new project coming up because, you know, this speaks to your kind of female entrepreneur uh, angle. And I guess I sort of never thought of myself as just being a female entrepreneur, but just kind of as a person with passion. But I do recognize that there are a lot of like-minded females out there. About 77% of vegans are female. Um, so I am starting a new website and we will roll in uh, pet nutrition to that. And that is going to be called She Goes Vegan. And it will be uh, just an all around inspirational and lifestyle website, including uh, pet nutrition for female vegans. So I'm excited. Wow. Well, viewfinders, check out Diana Lavagure Dunette, <laughs> the pet food diva. 
<laughs> plant-powered dog, plant-powered pets. I mean, this lady is doing a little bit of everything. But more importantly, she is just bringing a message of positivity to the world. And that is why I dig her so much. Thank you so much for being with us today, Diana. Viewfinders, if you want to find out more, check us out in the show links below. We will give you connections to Diana and all the wonderful things she is up to. Until next time, please stay safe and give your pets a hug for me. Bye. 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 Thank you, Ernie. Thank you, Becky. Done.